Using my gavel to call to order this regular meeting of the San Francisco Civil Service Commission on Monday, December 4, 2023 at 2 p.m. Our commission staff will read a statement with more information about our meeting today. Thereafter, staff will tell us how we're handling public comment. This meeting is being held in hybrid format with the meeting occurring in person in City Hall room 400 and available to view on Webex if you have an item scheduled on the agenda. The public may listen to the meeting by calling 415-655-0001 and entering access code 2661-253-7263. We welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There will be an opportunity for general public comment on items not on the agenda at the beginning of the meeting. And there will be an opportunity to comment on each discussion or action item on the agenda. Each comment is limited to three minutes. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely by video or call-in. For each item, the commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. Commission staff will provide further instructions on how to provide public comment via phone or video. If you need assistance accessing the meeting virtually or by phone, please call 628-652-1100. Please note that city policies along with federal and state and local law prohibit discriminatory or harassing conduct against city employees and others during public meetings and will not be tolerated. Moreover, public comment is permitted only on matters within the jurisdiction of this meeting body. Commission staff will now provide further instructions on making public comment remotely. As stated on our agenda and our website, this meeting is being held remotely. For members who wish to listen and or to make public comment, the phone number is 415-655-0001. The meeting ID code is 2661-253-7263. Please make sure that you're in a quiet location and that you turn off any television or radio to reduce reverberation so the commission can hear you. At the appropriate time, the president will ask for the phone lines to be open. If you wish to comment on a particular item, you will be prompted to press start three. This will add you to the speaker line. The auto prompt will say that callers are entering question and answer time, but this is the public comment period. You will be queued up in the order in which you press start three. There will be an automated voice that will tell you when it is your turn to speak. When your microphone has been unmuted, you will hear us ask you to state and spell your name and to make your comments. Commission staff will start your three minutes when you begin talking. When you have 30 seconds remaining, there will be a, a chime. When your time is up, I will say thank you. Next caller, please. At this point, the moderator will put you back on mute. Uh, thank you. We're ready for the first agenda item. Item number one, call to order and roll call. President Minor. Here. Vice President Favetti. Here. Commissioner Crowley. Present. Commissioner Leung is excused. Commissioner Salveson. Here. And we have a quorum. Uh, thank you. We're ready for the second agenda item. Item two, request to speak on any matter within the jurisdiction of the Civil Service Commission, but not appearing on today's agenda. Uh, members of the public and attendees, this is your opportunity to address the commission on any matter within our jurisdiction. 
If you are in the room, you may come to the podium. Uh, if you're on the telephone, press star three and you will be queued up to make your public comment. We're ready for the first speaker in the room. Thank you. If I could please read my script before we begin. Yes, please. Thank you. During general public comment, members of the public sometimes wish to address the Civil Service Commission regarding matters that may come before the commission in its capacity as an adjudicative body. The commission does not restrict this use of general public comment. To protect the due process rights of parties to its adjudicative proceedings, however, the commission will not consider in connection with any adjudicative proceedings statements made during general public comment. If members of the public have information that they believe to be relevant to a matter that will come before the commission in its adjudicative capacity, they may wish to address the commission during the public comment portion of that adjudicative proceeding. The commission will not consider public comment in connection with an adjudicative proceeding without providing the parties an opportunity to respond. At this time, the commission will take public comment on matters not on the agenda, but within the jurisdiction of the commission. The maximum time allowed will be three minutes unless a significant number of speakers request to be heard, in which event the commission president or chair may elect to reduce the maximum time allowed. A subsequent comment made by an individual speaker after the initial allowance is limited to one minute. Uh, thank you, Executive Officer. We're now ready for your public comment. You may begin. Greetings. Um, my name is Kimberly Cox, a former city employee from SFMTA who was laid off during the mandate due to the vaccinations. Today, I am here along with another former colleague who was laid off as well. And we are presenting our resolution to the Civil Service Commission as follows. One, whereas during the pandemic, numerous employees face termination for choosing not to take the COVID-19 vaccine. Whereas recent court rulings have clarified that such terminations lack legal justification. Whereas recognizing the significance of workplace fairness, individual health decisions, and adherence to legal standards. Therefore, be it resolved that the undersigned employees formally request the reinstatement of our employment positions. Be it further resolved that all associated benefits and compensating health insurance, retirement contributions, and other entitlements be fully reinstated in adherence to our prior employment terms. Be it also resolved that we advocate for open and transparent communication with the relevant authorities within the organization, ensuring a smooth and timely process of reinstatement and benefit restoration. Be it further requested that this resolution be formally communicated to the appropriate channels within the organization, including human resources and executive management. And be it finally resolved that we anticipate a fair and expeditious resolution to this matter, recognizing the imperative for just and lawful employment practices. Call for equitable action, reinstate CCSF terminated employees. Note, the mandate was concluded on August 23rd, 
3 by Carol Eisen, DHR director, and is no longer in effect. In alignment with practices observed in Alameda County, the San Francisco Fire Department, the San Francisco Police Department, New York City workers, and other entities, we strongly advocate for the reinstatement of terminated CCSF employees. We urge a consistent and equitable resolution. And I'm going to end it there and let my colleague come up. Thank you. If we can also ask the speakers to spell their last name, that would assist us. Thank you. C-O-X-Cox. Come, come to the, okay. Oh, you want me to come up? <laughs> Sorry. Normally we C-O-X-Cox. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Ellen Lee Zhao, E-L-L-E-N-L-E-E-Z-H-O-U. I was a public health worker for public health for more than 15 years. I am a union delegate representing government employees. I have been coming to your commission for the last five years, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. I have not set a foot in here in 2022, but I was here in May 15, 2023. The last time I spoke to you, it's about your wrongful termination. 
So uh, for record purposes, I'm giving you the re resolution, my name, public record. And this is for civil services, and this is for Carol Eisen. I have been communicating with her two years okay. on behalf of the people. 136 pages that I handed to her, nothing happened. Ms. Carol Eisen, excuse me. can you respond? Excuse me, your three minutes is up. Thank you for your public comment, and thanks for providing the resolution to us. Any additional public comment in the room? Uh, Elizabeth, any additional public comment on the telephone? President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Uh, thank you. We have concluded public comment. We are ready for the next agenda item. Item three, approval of minutes, regular meeting of November 20, 2023. Recommendation, adopt the minutes. Our commissioners, we have in front of us the minutes from our meeting of November 20, 2023. Are there any uh, comments, edits, or changes? If not, we'll take a motion and a second to approve. I move we adopt the minutes. Second. We have a motion and a second to adopt the minutes of our meeting of January of November 20th, 2023. If you have public comment on uh, the motion to adopt the minutes, if you're in the room, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three now. President uh, Minor, no, no public comment at this time. Okay, thank you. Uh, Commissioner, it's a roll call vote to uh, um, to adopt the minutes of our meeting of November 20th, 2023. Uh, Commissioner Crawley? Aye. Commissioner, I'm sorry, Vice President Favetti? Aye. Commissioner Savison? Aye. And I vote aye. We have approved our minutes of our meeting of November 20th, 2023. We're ready for the next agenda item. Item four, announcements, announcements of changes to the agenda. Commissioners, there are no changes to the agenda. Thank you. We are ready for the next agenda item. Item five, human resources director's report, report on the status of de-identification for classification-based testing recruitment. Recommendation, adopt the report. Good afternoon, President Minor, members of the commission. Uh, before we get to the listed report, um, uh, the de-identification report, which is in front of you, I wanted to uh, report on two items that um, have come before this commission, one in response to questions, and the second, uh, you asked me to come back with some comments. Uh, the first item has to do with medical examinations. You recall that um, in the context of discussing a proposed personal services contract, um, to provide for uh, supplemental services for medical examinations for pre-employment. Um, you asked about um, uh, our sworn, uh, our departments that include sworn employees and the role of DPH itself. Um, so I wanted to just give you a report on those items. Uh, first, the fire department uh, does all, self-performs all its own pre-employment medical examinations with their own in-house physician. This is a long-standing arrangement that that department has had. It uh, works quite well for them. Um, and uh, the 
police department and the sheriff department both rely on the occupational health services at San Francisco general. Um, and they, the timing of the exams that are offered um, through the Department of Public Health have been sufficient for both of those departments. Um, the Department of Public Health also uses uh, its own occupational health services and uh, would consider accessing a non-city uh, employee vendor um, if the health systems were compatible and so forth, that would be true of some of our major providers, such as Kaiser. Um, but as you recall from our earlier discussion, we're doing this largely um, to decrease the amount of time that's lost in the hiring process due to delays um, in pre-employment screening. So uh, we think that uh, this was a good decision and it will supplement our existing services and allow us to move much more quickly. Um, so that's uh, the follow-up response on the medical exams. Why don't I stop there and see if you have any questions and then I'll move on to the next item. Uh, Vice President Favetti. Yes, I just want to, uh, part of the, the reason for the question, at the, and thank you for the report. It's, I appreciate the fact that you went back and checked on it. Um, was the, the newspaper report, in fact, the editorial, I believe, uh, the, just before uh, we had made that request, indicating that the sheriff's department was so far delayed in hiring, and they, one of the listings of issues was medical exams. And so, uh, so there's now saying that they really don't have an issue uh, in that area or in that regard? Uh, our uh, city physician, Dr. Fiona Wilson, is on the line here and we could call on her for more detail about the sheriff's office but i will just say that this new process will be available to the sheriff's office oh. as well okay. um so it's just really what i was responding to is where we anticipate the you know the major use would be okay but it would be available to them as well and if uh, dr wilson wants to add to that we can we can call on her here if she's on the line Right here. So, yes, that's a great question. Uh, I did follow back up with them directly with the sheriff's office, and they did feel that, you know, there's a, a number of things that contribute to the slow uh, time to hire. The, the medical exams piece for them was not the biggest one. So, they would be very comfortable continuing with their current relationship with occupational health, which, again, highlights that there are other things that are in the way of timely hire. I'm sorry, I mean, Dr. Fisher, uh, Dr. Wilson, I, I was having a hard time understanding. Uh, it's a little bit garbled. So you were sorry. saying that you talked to the sheriff's department and they say that there's no problem with the medical exams? Correct, that they're currently comfortable with the timeline of the medical exams for their candidates. Oh, but, and, okay. and that is talking to the undersheriff, Carter. Uh, and what we walked through this. So I think that that's accurate. Now, obviously that could change it with times. We're still open to them coming, but I don't think that they're gonna be a huge uh, user of this service at the moment. Okay, well, thank you very much. And then I appreciate the fact that the, the Sheriff's Department in the event that it's needed can use the supplemental service. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you and so remember, very much. One of the things in the policy is that the pre-employment medical can be done by their own provider. So, um, it means that you can go to your own doctor and get certain things tested and certified and that that would be accepted. So. Perfect. Thank you. Yep. Thank you very much for following uh, through. Commissioner Crawley. Uh, just a follow up from Vice President uh, Favetti and to head of GHR. Could we, through our 
our um, executive director make sure that DSA and the sheriff's department get a copy of this rec recording noting uh, what took place? Thank you. No further questions, Madam Chair. Thank you, Executive Officer. I didn't hear your response. Yes, we can send the recording. Okay, thank you. And we'd be happy to make sure that they're made aware of it. Dr. Wilson has uh, spent a substantial amount of time working in close collaboration with the Sheriff's Office on a variety of medical issues. So, um, okay, the next item I want to report on is nurse hiring. Um, as you recall, in April of 2023, um, this commission uh, heard testimony from uh, several of the city's uh, city employed nurses about um, staffing and concerns about time to hire. And I wanted to um, follow up with you about that and let you know some of the progress that we have made. And I just also want to say, um, and Lewena Kim, the uh, personnel director for the health department is here with me um, and she'll also make some remarks. And I wanted to let you know before we get started that um, I hope there are some nurses on the line listening to this. Um, there likely are. And I will also say that we have been working uh, in close collaboration with the um, nurses uh, chapter of service employees union and we'll certainly let them know that we gave this report and the contents of it. Um, DPH prioritizes the staffing of its hospital and clinics um, with permanent civil service nurses 2320. Um, they believe this leads to the best outcome for their patients. Um, we do our best at DHR to be able to support that work. Um, DPH also, like many healthcare, large healthcare organizations, fills its gap in staffing uh, caused by vacancies, reassignments, leaves of absence, which can include normal scheduled leaves of absences such as vacations, uh, sick leave uses, and so forth. Um, and they do this on a shift-to-shift -shift basis. Uh, needing to make sure that they meet um, certain requirements and the needs of the patients. They do this through um, the normal methods of using outside registry. Many hospitals do that, but we do have one very unique feature in our nurse hiring system in San Francisco. We've created many years ago through collective bargaining a um, internal nurse registry so that existing permanent 2320s can pick up extra shifts from an internal registry. You uh, commonly hear this referred to as the P103s. That's the classification that is used. Our nurses will have often have dual appointments as both 2320 nurses and uh, P103s. Um, so it is a process that has worked quite well. Um, and I think that both the uh, city and the department and the employees have enjoyed having that option. Um, having said that, so we use multiple strategies for meeting our needs, um, but still the emphasis on hiring permanent 2320s. At the time of the hearing last April, um, our vacancy rate was over 12%. Um, we've brought that down to under 9% at this point. 
and um, we have um, we have been averaging 22 hires a month for the last six months. Um, the time to hire has dropped due, due to another a number of administrative efficiencies that um, have we have all worked together to implement to closer to the 90 day range, the three month range, as opposed to where it was before. Um, Luana Kim is going to address uh, some of the steps they've taken um, in the post referral selection process to reduce their time to hire. And generally, we see from the DHR point a, a positive trend line where our vacancies are dropping, the number of permanent civil service hires are increasing, and um, we feel we've turned an important corner since that hearing. And uh, we're going to be sharing again these contents with um, our nurse team in SEIU. Um, Luena would like to make some comments here and then we can open it up for any questions or comments that you have. Good afternoon, commissioners um, and Director Eisen. Um, my name is Luana Kim, and I'm the Chief Human Resources Officer for the San Francisco Department of Public Health. Thank you so much for giving me a few minutes to talk about um, some staffing updates. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to try to spend only five minutes. So if I exceed that, please just raise your hand, and I will. I, I want to be mindful of time as I go through this information. Um, uh, regarding clinical hiring, particularly around um, as it relates to nurse hiring. Since we were last before you in April, I know we had some conversations about bringing our 140 days time to hire down to uh, down to about 90 days. I know there was some question as to whether we will be able to do that. And I would just like to say that we have been able to reduce our time from 140 down to about um, 90, which is about a 40% reduction. And we continue to drive that number down. Um, we, although we have, um, added about 143 new FTEs in the 2320 classification of those 84 in the past two years. Um, as Director Eisen had indicated, our vacancy rate is currently at 9%. Um, since we've last appeared before you, we have made a number of improvements, and I'm going to go through them briefly with you. Um, we created a dedicated nurse hiring team or clinical hiring team, and we have expanded our recruitment a uh, number of recruiters. We've also hired a clinical recruiting strategist who comes from the private sector, um, who, is, who has been really instrumental in helping us really change the way in which we recruit in this current um, timeline as it relates to uh, the difficulty that we have in hiring nurses, physicians, and behavioral health clinicians, among others. Um, we have spent a significant amount of time uh, working with, uh, partnering with SCIU Local 1021 Nurse Chapter, uh, as well as nursing leadership, and we really very much value and appreciate uh, the partnership from DHR who have been really helpful with um, in providing support and information uh, to us. So we have spent time meeting with the union to talk about how can we simplify our application process as well as um, consolidating the eligible lists. We used to have 19 different specialties and that created challenges for candidates as well as us to coordinate. So we've re reduced those to two two eligible lists, one for experienced nurses and one for, for new nurses. Um, and we have also worked on making our assessment process more efficient. We, we have expanded our CCT to, seven, to 15 job classes and we continue to look to ways in which we can expand continuous recruitment at the Department of Public Health. 
As Director Eisen has indicated, we we maintain a focus on PCS hiring um, as a way for us to create a, a stable workforce. We have increased the usage of batch hiring. We used to hire them by division, and we have worked on, on putting uh, classifications together across our department and filling those. Um, one of the great innovative ideas that our director, chief, uh, chief nursing officer at the general did was create a training cohort with urgent care because that creates a pipeline into the ED. And so we will continue to find ways in which they receive training and urgent care, which then helps in the training as they go into the emergency department. Um, we have uh, struggled with providing data and understanding um, information to help us guide where are areas of improvement. So we've created an HR data analytics and process improvement team to help us with that. Um, we've streamlined the pre-employment process, uh, reference checks and medical clearances. We will continue to work on that. Um, we have implemented uh, a number of, of hiring efficiencies, approximately 30 to 40 of them, and we've trained our, our hiring managers and others in those efficiencies. Um, we have worked with the controller's office in developing a higher process map. We have learned, which may not be a surprise to you, that there are 173 steps in our hiring process to which we will continue to work on reducing those to become more efficient. Um, we see that staffing at the Department of Public Health is not only recruitment, but it is um, also retention. And so we have worked on a respect in the workplace campaign where we have created a help center so that employees, rather than having to find where, who to find in HR to get help, grammatically that was totally not right, rather than trying to figure out and go from person to person and get get bounced from place to place they can go to a help center where we will work on um, helping them resolve their their issues and their concerns we've created a project pop which is promote our people because we've heard through our employment engagement opportunity that um, one of the main reasons why individuals would be interested in leaving the department of public health is because of a lack of of uh, mobility within our department of professional development we have launched a transforming leadership program, um, as well as we're very um, honored to have been partnering with SEAU Local 1021 on a grant where they received the grant and they, they reached out to us so that a number of our CNAs can become LVNs and RNs can go to a BSN program and SEIU is covering tuition 100% for them. And so we've received a number of um, recipients for that. And then um, 80, over 85% of our staff receive the California Healthcare Retention Worker Payment um, through the state. So, um, let's see, uh, while we have put in place many improvements which have yielded results, we continue to strive to do better because our goal is eventually to hire in a day at hiring events by issuing conditional offers within within 24 hours of when they interview and to maintain a vacancy rate while it's currently at 9%. We work um, on a on a uh, North Star goal of no of not exceeding 2% in any uh, any classification of the Department of Public so, Health. Could you just repeat that again about the 24 hour? What, what are uh, exactly what are you saying is happening within 24 hours? We are working at what happens is when people uh, we are we are working on having as much of our processes occur concurrently rather than consecutively so that when a nurse comes to an event, uh, when a physician applies or behavioral health clinician, rather than waiting a significant period of time to hear from us and receive an offer, we are working on closing that gap in time to be able to 
uh, issue a conditional offer. Um, so that we don't like lose within candidates. 24 hours, like in an on the spot type of hiring. I don't know that it could be on the spot. Um, we haven't worked out all the details, but our goal is to try to be as efficient as possible and responsive to where candidates currently are, because we know and recognize they have a lot of opportunities and can go to many different places. So we work on trying to find as many ways in which we can we can um, uh, keep in contact with candidates and make sure that we have the um, we remain competitive with other entities, recognizing. Um, uh, our our role as a, a Department of Public Health. Um, Related to that, uh, have you identified what the conditions would be for a conditional offer? No, we have not. We are just starting to think about as we look at efficiencies and ways we have put in a number of efforts into place and we look at continually driving that number down so that we went from 140 days to 90 days, but we also but we still continue to lose qualified candidates. So what are ways in which we can um, we can continue to streamline while maintaining uh, a qualified candidate pool that will meet our mission um, as well as being able to remain competitive? So we're trying to work on how, how do we continue to improve? Because I think that um, I don't know that we will ever get to a place where we say we're done, right? We will continue to try and and improve both the, the, the way in which we, we recruit candidates, the way in which they experience the selection process with us, and significantly the way in which uh, their work, ex their, their experiences while they, while they remain employed with the Department of Public Health. So we see all of those as a component towards maintaining staffing at the Department of Public Health. So, um, uh, I think that those are those are those are my updates. We are today um, spending uh, the the hiring team as well as the assessment team are working with DHR today in a all day hiring efficiency event so that we can continue to find ways to to be more efficient and and one of those ways is really to use smart recruiters um, uh, embedding it more in our practice. So we continue to find ways to provide professional development for our staff as well. I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. So that that concludes our reports on uh, this portion of the report on nurse hiring, and we're happy to answer any questions before we move on to the third component of my report. Okay, uh, Director Kemp, thank you for being here. Let's turn to the commissioners and see if there are any uh, questions or comments. Uh, Commissioner Vice President Favetti. I was going to say I would see the floor to Commissioner Selvinson. You can go if you want. I just happened to have gotten to the boating first. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things. Um, this is a, the the importance of this report. I'm uh, a little bit. Uh, I, I really appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to do this and and appreciate the information. Um, I'm particularly oh, and just as a point of trivia, just this is just trivia, just so you can add to your trivia in case somebody in trivia was who asks you this question. P103 is part of the old classification system. It was reactivated in 1979 by Mr. Gazzano uh, in, lieu, in, in, view, in, in partnership with SEIU's representative, Susan Buckley. I don't know if you knew her, but anyway, just at Buckley. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, eventually CNA president, et cetera. But just a piece of trivia, and it was at that point where we started looking at the fact that we were looking at the, the cost of the registry and that sort of thing. I was doing nursing staffing at the time. It's very creative at, at the time, and it's worked 
really well. Oh no, so it has. And it, it, yeah, it worked really. It was it was it was the solution at the time because is that we had uh, we had like almost a fifty percent vacancy rate in our ICUs, and at the, it was quite critical in the staffing. Um, but that's just a little piece of trivia. Um, one of the things I was concerned about, I, I, we, we were told we were going to be getting a six-month progress report, and I was actually expecting a full-range report, but this is very good. I appreciate this as a beginning step. However, I am particularly interested in having some follow-up on the speed of processing, and I would like to have that happen before, my own opinion, and it's up to the Commission itself, um, before uh, collective bargaining starts in earnest. I'm particularly interested in finding out the speed of hiring and the directions towards on-the-spot hiring as far and also some follow-up on the uh, the training, the transition from o, uh, uh, that uh, in the partnership with SEIU. I would have liked to seen a full uh, notification here so that we could also hear from the employee organizations. I'd also like to have follow-up on one of the questions that was asked during the hearing that I really never followed up on and would like to to make sure that the information system, information regarding um, the selection process, where I believe that there was um, a, one RN was saying that we were told that you have to have you have to have three on an eligible list. I want to make sure that what's happening as far as the selection processes, that the education process of that is being um, promulgated with the RNs, so, and, so that no misunderstandings can occur. Um, or there's always going to be a misunderstanding, but that's where I would like to have some follow-up. And as I say, I'm thinking in terms of the meeting in January, um, because I think it's uh, with the grand jury interest, and some of the questions that the grand jury brought up with regard to the uh, follow-up on the, um, the hiring and the partnership. But thank you very, very much. Thanks very much. Thank and you. then to have it fully agendized. Uh, thank you, Vice President Favetti, um, Commissioner Salveson. Thank you. Um, I was listening back to the uh, meeting and the public comment from November of 2022, and there was um, a lot of concern then about the mandatory non-voluntary overtime. And I'm wondering how how that's going. I will. Uh, I'm not 100% sure I understand your question, but I can definitely look into it. Well, I mean, uh, I know that some uh, some of your nurses uh, volunteer for overtime through P102 or perhaps other ways, but at that time, people were being required to work extra shifts who didn't want to, but they were required to. So I'm wondering, is that still happening and to what degree? I, uh, if I remember correctly, I think uh, while I understand that that was a concern for the nurses overall, I know that in particular it was in the birth center where there was some concern regarding mandatory overtime. Um, I think we reached a point in September where we were fully staffed and then a week later we got a resignation so we weren't fully staffed. So uh, we are getting better at filling positions but we continue to look at separations but I know that meal break continues to missed meal break meal breaks continue to be an issue so we look at ways in which we can track that um, and and staff. So if you would like a more of a report on overtime I'm happy to provide that too. Uh, Commissioner Crawley, did you have uh, questions? I did, but my colleagues actually asked the questions. Okay. Um, and so I, I do have a follow-up, but 
It's very quickly though. Yes, please. Attrition. Do we know how many yeah, that wasn't my question. folks are going to retire in, in 2024? Uh, I don't know how many will retire in 2024, approximately 124 retired in June. So we see, of course, an expected July. We see an, we see sort of the anticipated spike in July. We see a little bit of a blip up in December. Over the last several years, we have seen um, uh, peaking during the pandemic, approximately 10.1 nurses who separate in any given month. Uh, when I looked at the data two months ago, it went down to six, um, about 6.3 nurses separating per month. So the numbers have gone down in terms of separations, but I just received a report that it's going, it's trending a little back up to about eight. So we do look at that data regularly. I'm happy to include that in the report as we look at attrition as well. Thank you. Good report. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Madam Chair. Okay. Uh, Director Kim, thank you. Uh, just in terms of the trend, I was going to um, ask a similar question to uh, Commissioner Crawley about uh, retention. Uh, most recently, you indicated you're seeing a trend from six to around eight. Any view as to why now you're seeing an uptick? Um, I don't. I, at this point, I would be guessing, which I don't want to, which I don't want to do. I. Um, we will look at the reasons for that. We have also looked at having a much more comprehensive exit interview process, so we understand why we have our we have um, regret regrettable separations or why people are leaving. We will continue to look at that. The overall data and trend is that there are a number of there continues to be nurses who are leaving the industry. Um, it, it I will shorten my answer to say I don't know, and we will look into that. Thank you. Generally Thank you. speaking, I would say that uh, once we manage to hire a twenty three twenty, we don't have a high degree of turnover in this classification. We just don't. That there have been major trends out in the in the industry itself uh, during the pandemic and then since the pandemic. But uh, once people become city employees. Uh, other than blips that are really accounted for with major change or with uh, our general, our overall demographics. Um, I, I don't, we're going to be reporting on some of this in our comments on Thursday at the Board of Supervisors hearing. Okay. Uh, thank you, Director Eisen. Um, Director Kim, just one, one additional follow-up. In your April report, uh, you indicated that the actual number of vacancies was 229 FTE. What is it currently at 9%? Um, when we ran the data about a week and a half ago, we had, um, sorry, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do the 132. Thank you so much, colleague, 132. Okay. And that's the equivalent of a roughly 9%. Yes. Thank you. Um, executive officer. Hi, um, I just had a question and I uh, really like what you talked about in nurse retention and creating something called respect in the workplace. So the nurses are not bounced around to different uh, people. Is this a new division within your HR division? 
It is. So when I returned back to the Department of Public Health, one of the things that we created was an Office of Employee Experience and Engagement. And so this was, this was a, a unit, a group of um, professionals who are focused on how do, we, how do we retain our staff, how do we promote our staff, and how, uh, how and this team looks specifically at making sure that employees have a central place if they have any concerns to go rather than having to figure out, oh, is this a labor relations, is this a... You know, is this an EEO? Is this a payroll issue? Is this a promotion issue? Where is that? So we are working on creating a central help center so that employees can go to one place. The other part is that we um, we do have a ways to go in terms of our our um, our tracking of information requests and timely responses to them. So part of this also is to have a central location with our with our um, data team as well as our experience team to make sure that we are being responsive. Uh, completely and timely. So uh, part of our work is is partnering with our Office of, of Health Equity in the department to really um, be much more uh, uh, much more intentional about ensuring that we have respect in the workplace. And so we have a video, we will be piloting it and holding people accountable and tracking that information as well. We would appreciate uh, having that information. What happens is that when the when our long-term nurses are being bounced around, somehow they always end up with the Civil Service Commission. So we spend considerable time working with them, although as the more time we spend with them, we realize it is not a Civil Service Commission matter yet until a decision is made and that then may become appealable. So we are often referring them to labor or EEL, and we realize you're the biggest department in the city. That's a lot of people that we keep referring to. So if there is a division uh, in uh, within HR that has the connections with all the different divisions, you know, that would be very helpful. So. Uh, the employees are not continuously coming to the Civil Service Commission because it's not yet an appealable matter. And we want to uh, be able to help them. And one of the concerns that the nurses have been saying, and I keep trying to spend as much time as possible because we want to keep them. We do not want them to leave the city. They really are, uh, there was a reason why they chose Department Public Health, your department. And we hope that they continue to remember that. And so, and um, the feedback that we're getting, it's just because they're speaking to a live person. And I have to explain to them how huge your department is. But that's why I say creating this respect in the workplace, this type of division sounds really great and really encouraging that I would want to share with those nurses who are actually considering leaving. And these are not even the nurses who are working in the hospitals. They're working in behavioral health. They're out. Uh, they've saved so many people's lives in the tenderloin. They're working in the community health clinics and all the neighborhoods. So it's uh, it's a little bit difficult for them. Whereas uh, at the hospitals, SEIU is very strong. We see how much they've supported the nurses. It's a little bit different when the nurses are working out in the field locations. So. It's really good that you're sharing this and if it's possible to share that with us so we can spread the word. Thank you. Yes, we don't we don't think that it is the employee's responsibility to find help. It's our it's our responsibility to 
to help navigate, help them navigate. So we are working on that. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank you. Any additional questions, uh, commissioners? Um, I think we will take public comment at this time before we start the de-identification report. Um, we are now taking public comment on the Department of Public Health report that you just heard. If you have uh, public comment, you may come to the podium. And uh, if you're on the telephone, you may press star three. Well, again, my name is Ellen Li Zhao, E-L-L-E-N-L-E-E-Z-H-O-U. Um, I don't normally people call people liars, but we have so many liars in here. First of all, DPH is the most largest department, more than 10,000 people, if I remember, because I do represent the government employee from SEIU 1021. Now, my question to, direct, to Director Carol Eisen and Luana Kim right here, I gave her the report. My understanding, we have a lot of people, behavioral health clinicians, health workers, include nurses, wrongfully terminated. They are working for public health for many years. Why can't they rehire them? Why can't they be reinstated? Why are they keep telling you something not true and you all bought the lie and continue to pretend nothing happened? I am one of the people that I believe in God and I'm here to represent the people the public health workers. I am a public health worker. I am a behavioral health clinician. Luanna Kim right here, I encountered her many times for the last two years, explaining to her what the vaccination will do, what choices people have. I represent the government. She did not pay attention, but continued to lie instead of listen to the people like the nurses, doctors who are behavioral health clinician like me and public health workers, she terminated me instead. I told you guys nothing but the truth. Luana Kim is not telling you the whole picture. We do have a lot of people terminated. Am I correct, Director Carol Eisen? We have 4,000 empty vacancies throughout San Francisco public workers. They forced more than 3,000 people to retire earlier. Then they illegally terminate all the Christians and all the Catholics, 1,168 people. And many of them, they are public health workers. I am here to urge you, please, you all work for the public. The public is at risk when we are not occupy all the positions, the positions that was approved to be hired. You remember we were at work and working so hard during the pandemic, but we get fired after we told the truth about this pandemic was planned to take down our nation, to destroy our city. Now we had more and more homeless and a lot of people die, dead, pass away. One third of the business eliminated because of this pandemic and forced vaccination. And yes, my name is Ellen. I stand firm for our nation and for our city. Please reinstate all the nurses you already fired. Okay. They are well trained. Thank you for your Thank public you. comment. We're ready for the next speaker, please. Uh, Elizabeth, any public commenters on the telephone? 
President Minor, no public comment at this time. All right. Thank you. We're going to close public comment and Director Eisen, we are ready for de-identification. Um, if I, before I get to that, I just, oh, okay. we will do our uh, preparing a written report by January may be a bit of a stretch for us. Um, we, we prepare a number of written reports for this commission and have a pretty full schedule doing that. Um, we are going to be providing uh, a presentation at the Board of Supervisors on Thursdays. Um, we're going to be covering overall the city's employment situation. Um, so, uh, Commissioner Favetti, if there are specific things you feel you need to know, I'm happy to work with you to address them. But I just, I'm just in defense of knowing our workload that's coming up starting in January, I think it's going to be a stretch for us to continue to report on a subject where we're seeing very positive trends and we're about to get into collective bargaining with these same nurses and covering staffing issues at the at that table. In, in response, and I appreciate what you're saying, I yeah. really do, having been in, um, this is, and the fact that we had no public comment today is an indicator to me that we should have had some public comment. Well, again, we and it, even if you didn't have a complete and extensive report, I mean, this is just my opinion, and I'm only one commissioner. Um, but uh, and and I, I may be alone in my opinion. So, it just seems to me that that is as, as important as this matter was, and as much public comment that we had received, and the fact that you are going to be going to the board of supervisors, where there will be full notification. It would imagine that you may have some of those materials and we don't necessarily have to have everything rewritten, but I think it's important for us to notify people that this is being heard so that they can comment. That's number one. And number two, reporting on the shared um, education and transition and what your status is. I'm not asking for a major, major report, but something like, well, where are you now? That's all. Not something that was done uh, the, the previous report, not that extensive, hardly a half an hour. A 5 minute to 10 minute report at the very, very most, but for that there's public notification so that everybody knows we're talking about it, especially as important as it was with the grand jury investigating with uh, even department of public health saying we would be coming back in September, which didn't happen. And I understand that everybody's busy and that is the 1st priority, but on the other hand. Um, I also think that it's important for us as a commission to be uh, appropriately informed and that the public be properly notified. So, as I'm saying, there were just a, a, a couple of highlights that I was uh, focusing on, and that was where are you in the speed of processing? What is the, the vacancy rate and the report on the shared responsibility between SEIU? Because it would have been nice to see SEIU leadership support what was happening. At the Department of Public Health, well, they, they, uh, with all due respect, Commissioner, we, it's in the collective bargaining agreement. We have obligations to the union to be working collaboratively with them on these very same issues, mm -hmm. which is the genesis for the nurse hiring committee that meets routinely and works on the very issues that you're raising. So, and we are going to be starting negotiations with that union in January. And re and reviewing the progress of our work, uh, 
so we're going to be having full discussions with with the union itself. Um, and, I, you know, I'm happy to I, I, put things in writing, but you should when we have to prepare written reports for you, we have to submit them to you 11 days in advance. We have to dedicate staff time to this and I'm happy to do it. Um, but I just want I just want everybody on the commission to be aware that we have a long list of reports that we really as this commission hasn't really looked at carefully in some time where it's been layers upon layers of things added to our burden and we're not uh you know we're not we're not a big department and we're very focused on systems integration on supporting our departments we spend a, a we have a small client services staff we have a small system staff um, we're about to go into the, so I just wanted the commission to be cognizant of that um, and to be managing large public hearings in a separate venue from the bargaining table itself. Um, you know, our, our first obligation when it comes to looking at the staffing commitments we've made in the collective bargaining agreement really is to to the union and um, and I understand the commission has concerns about the process issues, which I'm happy to continue to report on. We can prepare a written report. It's not going to be a long narrative about no. any of this, but we can provide you with data. That's easy. And, and you're going to know what your attrition rate is. You're going to know what your vacancy rate is, and you're going to know the speed of hiring because that's something you monitor all the time. And so that would be easy to do. And then just further information, because I don't think we've had any much of information regarding the collaborative effort between the two and a public notice. And nobody's asking for a major presentation as was done last spring. In, uh, I think it was March or April, but um, so that's and, and totally understand the, the I totally understand it, but I also understand the responsibilities of this commission and it was all over the front page of the newspaper. You know, this commission and the rules of this commission have prevented nurses from being hired. And so we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to follow up on that. And with respect to everybody's time, respect to you, Director Eisen, respect to Department of Public Health, to DHR staff, that I totally respect, but I still feel these are statistics that you have right at your fingertips um, and should be reported here so that we, in truth, can be responsive to all those have, who have criticized the rules of this commission. Hey, uh, Vice President Favetti, uh, thank you. And I do want to concur with uh, Vice President Favetti and uh, kind of look forward to DHR and uh, public health working together to bring forward um, a relatively simple uh, document that we will notice on the agenda um, in order to receive additional feedback. Uh, so thank you. And Director Eisen, we're ready to move to your noticed agenda item, which is de-identification. President Minor. Yes. Um, we do have a hand raised. Um, I don't know if you want to take the comment now or they have to wait, but we do have a caller that raised their hand. Does it relate to the nurse report? I'm not sure. Okay, let's find out. Okay. Caller, can you please state and spell your name for the record? Hi, my name is Tia Panit, T-I-A. 
plus name Paneet, P-A-N-E-E-D. Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm a nurse for Department of Public Health in the community, and I just wanted to, to make a quick comment, just kind of following up on the RN hiring. Um, one thing they did, I, I think one reason there's not a lot of public comment because nurses are not aware of this, and that's partly due to our union does not communicate that to its members about it's right to be able to come here and talk about this. Um, also, regarding the RN hiring, you briefly mentioned about the P103. Um, I know there's internal and external P103s. A lot of nurses were given internal P103s. This is another way to help retain staff and I help I think help with staffing gaps. But the city does not know how to use some of these internal P103s, meaning you can have a P103 in your department, but a, a clinic would like you to work there. I have been told I can't go work in that clinic because it comes out of the budget of the department I work in. Yet there are many nurses for many, many years who have been using their P103 that work all over the city. So I don't think that's fair that I am not allowed to use this P103, but other nurses can, and there is a staffing gap that it could help fulfill that. But no one can answer this question. It's all, all around the budget when there's many shifts that could be filled with, with these internal P103s. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your public comment. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth, just to confirm, was that the last public speaker? Yes, no further public comment at this time. Thank you. So, Director Eisen, we're ready for the de-identification report. Uh, uh, commissioners, the de-identification report that is in front of you, um, it is the sixth report that DHR has brought before this commission related to the implementation of de-identification de and the hiring process. Um, the, I think in looking and reviewing those reports, uh, the, I think the major contribution that de-identification has made is um, it's increased the number of interviews that we have conducted for city jobs. Um, but I don't think that it's significantly changed the outcome in the hiring process. Our diversity data, you could see over that same period of time tracks roughly uh, from what it was initially to what it is today. Um, there are slight variations as we go, but for the most part, um, it's there to see. We could see both where our weaknesses and our strengths are. Um, Assistant Director of Employment Services, Dave Johnson, is going to provide you with an overview of the report, and then we are happy to answer uh, your questions and comments. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Dave Johnson, Assistant Director of Employment Services, Department of Human Resources. As Director Eisen indicated, uh, this is the sixth report. We, again, find no evidence to support the fact that de-identification is increasing diversity. Uh, we took a look at, as you see in the report, we had 37 classes last year. This year diminished down to five. This is a consequence of the city's record retention policy. Uh, specifically, departments are required to hold post-referral selection process data for five years. So there's no data to look at. And we anticipate next year absolutely zero data. 
because we had, like I said, those five classes and the pre-DID data that we were looking at will have expired as of next fiscal year. Absent the absent comparative data, we looked again at trends in new hires, and we see as far as gender that males, again, are exceeding female new hires. We see that for race and ethnicity, Asians and whites were the most significant changes with Asians increasing significantly, whites decreasing significantly, changes for the other groups were minimal. We also looked at the uh, new hires versus the labor force statistics. And again, we see overrepresentation by Asians and blacks, underrepresentation by Hispanics and whites. Like I said, we anticipate no comparative data next year. Um, we do anticipate that possible that race and gender and ethnicity data may be available via dashboards in real time, something that our HERMP team is working on. I don't know how widely available it would be, but I think it would be much more useful than us coming to you once a year to report on it. You could actually look and see it in real time. Finally, DHR recommends adoption of this report and its removal from the list of CSC annual reports because of its obsolescence. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Um, Commissioner Salveson. Commissioner Fobetti's. I know. Okay. Um, so my question has to do with rule of the list. Does any of the data that we've collected so far on DA identification have to do uh, reflect on or come from rule of the list hiring? Do you understand my question? Should I try it? I do, I do. No, I understand your question. Um, rule the list will possibly, like Director Eisen suggested, result in more interviews because they have a wider population from which to select, but we have no data or any evidence to support that it would increase diversity. So my question is, have we analyzed any hiring uh, that was from a classification that had rule of the list or all of these non-rule of the list hirings that our data is based on? Um, this is gonna rely on my public safety background. A rule of the list has existed for public safety for over 10 years. And I do know that police, fire and sheriff have been able to hire very diverse groups. The other half of it is though that at least sheriff and police go to the bottom of the list just to try and get enough people. So by necessity, they're reaching way down. And again, I don't know that there's any correlation to diversity. It's simply they're hiring everyone they can. And FIRE, I do know that they're still trying to meet their goals in line with what was required under the consent decree back in the 80s and 90s. So, but they're, and they're able to do so. They're able to get a diverse pool. But again, rule the list, they're going as far as down as they need to go. Good afternoon, commissioners. Um, Commissioner Salveson, I think you're asking, uh, oh, I'm sorry. My name is Anna Biaspis, Employment Services Director. I have to always put that on record first, but I think you're asking if uh, the, the classifications we looked at had rule of the list. Um, we don't know for sure, but that was not our focus. If it was rule of the list, it would have been included in this report. Our main focus is that it was at least 
50 on an eligible list. Uh, so we could try to get as much, you know, diversity information we could get and at least five hires. So if there was rule of the list within all these classifications, it would have been captured. Any recruitment that had 50 or more with um, regardless of certification rule and I can tell you that most of our rule of the list exams are definitely like in the hundreds, if not over a thousand candidates. So it would fit that criteria. Does that answer your question? Uh, well, I, what you're telling me is you're not sure what whether any of these um, the data that comes the five the five that we reviewed. I mean, we could look back to see if it's rule of the list, but what I'm saying is we would have not excluded rule of the list if they felt if they met. But we don't criteria. know if it's included. Um, no, do you know the five classifications? I do. So I'm asking because it looks like we're going to be having a lot more classifications with the rule of the list. And so I'm wondering if the data we have to date really helps us know what's going to happen going forward. I, I think um, so. Let me answer your first question. 9209 was rule of five scores. 8300 was rule of the list. Um, 8216. Or I, I don't know about the other three. I don't think they're rule of the list, though. Yes. But so, for example, sheriff's cadet is is rule of the list and captures it. And I think um, what assistant director Johnson's point is, is while we get rule of the list moving forward, if our rule changes go through, um, if you go five years back, it is not. Um, it is after the 2018 adoption, so that's how we are losing data because of the retention policy. No, I understand that, okay. but, but my point is we're going, my impression is, and maybe this is uh, not quite right, my impression is we're going to have a lot more rule of the list. And so we're really in a situation where it's not necessarily comparable. Um, we, we we don't really know what's going to happen yes. with the rule of the, the list and whether de-identification will have the same results or not. Is what I'm saying. We don't yes. know. Is that is that fair? Yes. Um, the only thing is we would not have comparison data. We could, as as uh, Assistant Director Johnson stated, we can have higher data and the diversity of that data, which. Um, will be in dashboards and which I found out we could give the commission and the executive officer access to in the future. Uh, Vice President Favetti. Actually, uh, Ms. B. was just touched on the, one of the questions I was going to ask. What kind of format would the, the uh, dashboard be in? I mean, if you're thinking in terms of sharing that with the commission, um, number one, I understand it's not necessarily public information and to um, and readily accessible. And then if you're thinking in terms of sharing with the commission, how would that be? And how would others be able to access that? 
So um, it is our um, HRMP um, hiring modernization uh, project, which is not yet complete. I believe there will be graphs. Um, if it's similar to the dashboards I look at today, there will be graphs and when you click on certain things, it will go deeper into the data. But um, again, it's not fully flushed out yet. And and so um, and it would be through like I, I think smart Rick private link to them a, either a private link or maybe just you have access to the dashboards as a login and you would see real time hire data. Hmm. Um, one of the concerns I had is that I believe that embedded in the rules a requirement for the reports. I'm sorry. I believe that part of the rule is to have regular reporting back to the commission on de-identification. Yes. So it actually requires a rule amendment. Okay. We, we, we can certainly push that. That's forward. number one. Number two, the next question I was asked, thinking to myself is that if this is not effective, do we need to even revisit having this rule? I'm in favor of revisiting any rule that adds time and doesn't add value, irrespective of the topic. And I honestly believe that's where we are because we've had report after report after report that says what we thought was going to work isn't. And maybe we need to, the bigger question is not your annual report, it's the rule itself. And that's, I know you're going towards collective bargaining but quite frankly, that's what I was going to be recommending. That maybe we take a look at the rule itself. It's a bigger question. Well, I think the six reports that are in front of you give some guidance as to whether or not the commission feels that it's produced sufficient value that you want us to continue with it or amend it or remove it. Um, you can see our trend lines on our data, both in terms of our hiring and our uh, and our interviews. Um, so I know that collective bargaining is coming up, and maybe we need to, when the, that is ended, well, which this, is around June, start putting placing that on the calendar for revision or or investigation or sooner. I I you know I don't think that the fact that we're negoti renegotiating. Our agreements with labor should in any way slow down the work of this commission. Okay, but what I'm just saying is if you're going to be having to, if we have to post it, we have to do, uh, we have to meet with the employee organizations, how will that impact on your workload? And so I'm, as I'm saying, I'm looking at the possibility that instead of doing it immediately based on the workload that I'm hearing, um, that we wait till you know, six months. But if you feel that you can make a proposal before that, and, and suggested amendments, or um, based on the data that we've received, it seems to me that that would be a reasonable logical conclusion. I'm happy to do it and I would do it sooner rather than waiting. Okay. This is, you know, the core work of the commission and the issues that were raised in that grand jury report were the review of the rules and whether or not we're adding time to our processes that aren't necessarily adding um, value and as we do move towards rule of the list for our mass classifications, what we're one of the sort of byproducts that are now coming up for the departments are 
well, I have this huge list that's constantly being refreshed. What do I do? And we're we're working on that. But where I see this going uh, more and more is, you know, the nature of the position of the position or positions is going to be about this set of practice areas or whatever it's going to be. And and the ability to be able to canvas the list and find out who either has an interest or through their coursework or prior work experience or whatever in the specific topic matter so that we could take a large group of qualified applicants and reduce down to a smaller group of people that have specific interest or knowledge or experience in a specific type of subject matter. Well, uh, because I would be and that would be a first pass. That as a, instead of the recommendation to remove the de-identification report, I would say I was more than happy to propose that we take uh, instead of doing that to review uh, or set aside of time or to have a to to review a proposal to amend the current rules to make them more effective as much as we can. I mean, uh, you know, and, and a number of the process improvements that we're working on. Creating standard question banks, um, you know, just trying to create some more um, consistency in the post referral selection processes, which I think are needed with a broader certification rule. Um, I think this is, that's a, is going to be a very dynamic process. And when this commission first adopted and went through the consideration and adopted the identification process, I think we're going to see a substantially changed universe in our hiring practices and i think all the rules should be you know and ones that clearly we've identified through through close look and multiple reporting should be on the table for consideration we're happy to to work on that for you you know work on our from our perspective as the administrators of these rules where we think this could go hey uh executive officer Commissioners, um, when the identification rule proposal was presented by DHR and the commissioners approved it for me and discuss, it was the Civil Service Commission staff teaming up with the Department of Human Resources that conducted the meet and discuss. And many of uh, what is being discussed today was discussed in our meet and discuss with the unions and the unions did question us and this included uh seiu local 21 and many of the trade unions that what if this rule change does not show what the goal was intended to do, and that had to do with really expanding equity we did and our former executive officer michael brown did state the commission has the ability to go back to amend the rules and the unions were fine with that May I just add something? Um, I can tell you that there are parts of the rule that seems at least I was back there when when um, the rules were changing. One of the issues was the uh, names on the eligible list. Mm -hmm. And we had at that time a lot of eligibles wanting to withdraw because their names were publicly posted. My employer knows I'm looking for a job or it's or the privacy of gosh, I've been a manager and you know, um, Dave Johnson scored a lot higher than me and I'm like at the bottom. I can tell you that um, maybe some of the increase in applications could have been um, based on that. And we are not getting 
these requests for uh, withdrawals as frequently as we did back then. So that is also part of the rules. And so I think if we're revisiting um, everything, we just need to re revisit every part of it because that piece I think is certainly continues to work. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, any additional uh, questions or comments, commissioners? If not, if we could, um, Vice President Favetti, I think you started making a motion. Yeah, so I'd like to move to who, um, uh, uh, to calendar proposals for amending the rules on de-identification as uh, adopted in 2018 um, for consideration by the commission. Um, our city attorney has a comment. Thank you, President Miner, uh, Deputy City Attorney Kate Kimberlin. Um, given the way that this matter was agendized for a report and the only action being adopting the report, I think this would be a, a better item for the um, commissioner's requests at the end of the calendar. Can I ask a question then? Oh, uh, Vice President uh, Favetti. Then, if we adopt the report. Then we have to say we're going to say that we're going to be getting rid of the annual annual reporting, which is a require, but a rule amendment is required to do that. So if we're adopting the report, we're adopting the recommendation. Does that mean that we're denying the report and looking at an alternate? That's 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 where I was having some difficulty. I thought we were able to modify recommendations. Understood. I think you can still adopt the report without taking action. That re the report itself doesn't demand that you take any specific. Yes, it does. Um, I mean, the report itself has a recommendation, and adopting the report. I don't know if it means that you're taking that action, but if if you would feel more comfortable, you can certainly modify. You can adopt with the exception of that modification, or you can. Um, ask for them to submit those, but I'm not sure it can be done. I think the motion just has to be stated that you're adopting the report with exception of X, Y, or Z. It just isn't clear to me from a Brown Act perspective that what was potentially considered, you know, going to be considered on the agenda today is a request to change the rules themselves. They simply asked for a removing the requirement. So, Maybe okay. we're speaking past each other, but <laughs> no, I, I, I think I understand and appreciate your comment, city attorney, uh, commissioner Salveson. Uh, just on this same topic, uh, it does say on the agenda that this is an action item. Um, I don't know if that helps us be able to move forward with the motion, like, uh, commissioner Favetti suggested. Um, Deputy City Attorney Kate Kimberlin, I, I do see that, Commissioner Salveson. Um, I think we could move forward if the motion was phrased in a way that was um, in reference to the report itself, um, you know, accepting the report and potentially um, having asking that DHR return with proposals that would allow it to move forward without having this annual report, which would include potentially updating the rules generally with respect to DID. 
So could we go ahead and say accept the report and uh, consider modifications in, at a future meeting? Proposals for modifications at a future meeting. Okay, so I would move to accept the report. Gotcha. Thank you. I accept the report and uh, uh, consider uh, uh, possible modifications to the identification at a future meeting. Okay. okay. Second. Okay. We have a motion and a second to accept the report, the de-identification report, and to consider moving forward at a future meeting on mod modifications to the civil service policy related to de-identification. If you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium now. If you're on the telephone and have public comment, you may press star three. Please come forward. Hello, my name is Jesse Stanton. I'm a 2905 eligibility worker with the uh, Human Service Agency and a rank and file member of SEIU 10 to 1. I urge the uh, uh, commissioners to uh, revisit the de-identification rule and unwind it as, as quickly as possible back to the status quo ante. Um, back in 2018, in October, we were here in large numbers giving public comment against the rule. Um, there were uh, some of us who were more sanguine about the possibilities and some who were very uh, negative on the possibilities, but I think now what we hear from Department of Human Resources is that, that there's no measurable effect, and so uh, we would like to please, at all haste, uh, unwind this rule and get back to the status quo entity. Thanks for your time. Thank you for your public comment. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Naj Daniels, field representative with SEIU 1021. I just would like to comment that we've been in post DID since 2018. That's about five years without any substantial proof that this action has actually carried out the mission of the 2018 Breed Executive Directive. While someone meant well, I really urge the Commission to revisit if this should be amended to maybe its original state. The resources that have been put forward, as we heard from DHR, seem to outweigh the benefit of protecting a possible current employer from knowing that you're looking to work for the city and county of San Francisco. So again, I just ask the commission to really consider a rule revision. Thank you. Thank you for your public comment. Um, Elizabeth, any additional public comment on the telephone? President Minor, no public comment at this time. All right. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, uh, public comment is closed. We'll move to a roll call vote um, on the motion before us. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Savison. Aye. And I vote aye. We have voted to accept the report and to consider at a future meeting modifications to the de-identification policy. Uh, thank you, and thank you for the discussion. Uh, Director Eisen, you brought a lot of material and information to us today. Uh, thank you for that spotlight. I, I, don't, I, want, I appreciate all the back and forth with the commission. I just want to make sure you know that. And uh, we will do our best at our, at our next report. We'll look more closely into that issue of the dashboards. And as soon as we can comment on that and give the commission a better idea of the type of information you'll be able and your staff will be able to see on a routine basis, I think that might help frame our all of our discussions going forward. Thank you. Executive officer, we're ready for the next agenda item. Item six, executive officer's report. 
the executive officer actually will reporting later on the agenda when we get to the PSC policy. We are ready for the next agenda item. We are now on the ratification agenda. All matters on the ratification agenda are considered by the Civil Service Commission to be non-contested and will be acted upon by a single vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion on these items unless a request is made, in which event the matter shall be removed from the ratification agenda and considered as a separate item. Item 7, review of request for approval of proposed personal services contract, recommendation of the human resources director, adopt the report, approve the request for proposed personal services contracts, notify the office of the controller and the office of contract administration. Okay, thank you. Uh, commissioners, please indicate if there are any items you'd like pulled from the ratification agenda for additional discussion. We'll start with Vice President Favetti. Uh, yes, uh, 414-09-2324. Uh, what department the, is that? Department of Public Health. And 488-78-2324, Public Utilities Commission. And these two are both in duration issues. And I was just going to, if, unless another commissioner has a question on that, I was just going to hear them both at the same time. And then I do have a question on the modification agenda, uh, PSC 2000-0708, Public Health. Commissioner Crawley. Other than those listed by Vice President Favetti, I have just one, Madam Chair. 4838523324, public health. It is sheriff regarding the sheriffs. Okay. Thank you. And Commissioner Salveson. I have no additional. Okay. We are ready for a motion and a second to approve the ratification agenda minus the pulled contracts. Uh, so moved. Second. We have a motion and a second to approve the ratification agenda minus the pulled contracts. If you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Commissioners, the roll call vote on approving the ratification agenda minus the pooled contracts. Vice President Favetti? Aye. Commissioner Crawley? Aye. Commissioner Salveson? And I vote aye. We have approved the ratification agenda. We are now, uh, departments, uh, thank you for being here. We will now move to the pooled contracts and we will take them in order. Um, the first one is 41409-2324, Public Health, Vice President Favetti. Okay, it was just a question with regard to the duration. Okay. And it was just that uh, that would be reported on in four years. Okay. okay. Who's with us from Public Health? 
Oh, you have, Good, afternoon. Good afternoon, commissioners. This is Rihanna Albert, the PSC coordinator for DPH. I apologize, my video isn't working today. Okay, um, Vice President Favetti has a question, and then Commissioner Salveson has a question. Vice President Favetti. Uh, yes, my my question was uh, solely on the uh, on the duration and having a report back in four years, since it's uh, going to be about a seven year contract. Uh, you're asking if we can do a report back in four years? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay, we can do that. Thank you. That's my mm -hmm. concern. Okay, um, Vice um, Commissioner Salveson. Thank you. I um, I had a question. You know, we have a uh, a question on the form. When your contract exceeds five years, what is the reason for that? And in this particular form, it doesn't really give the reason. It just repeats what the contract does. And so I'm wondering, um, is there a particular benefit to having a contract in excess of five years? Um, so I I also have Rochelle Loxamana from um, the Office of Contract Administration here today, who may be able to answer that question. Rochelle, are you available? Uh, yes. yes, I am available. Um, so to answer that question, the reason we have requested a period that is longer is that there it takes some administrative it, it, it isn't there's an administrative cost in order to create and run the solicitation and in our experience over 20 years of having these services there's only been one party who's been interested in ever providing these services um i also have done an outreach on my own trying to reach out to um optometrists who would be qualified to provide the services under this contract after working with some parties in DPH to identify that list. I've reached out to over uh, 50 optometrists in the area that would have been qualified and not one of them attended our sourcing event, Not, and most of them were not interested at all in the services. So in light of the fact that there were not really interested parties and that there's really only one interested party in entering into the agreement, we were hoping to cut down on the administrative cost by extending out the uh, contract. Yeah, I think the issue of uh, saving money by having a longer contract um, addresses the concern. So um, I'm wondering if you can just amend your um, submittal to include that in the question about length, that would be great. Yes. So I would um, move to approve this PSC subject to the, did you say four year check in mm -hmm. and um, amending the report as we suggested. Okay, we have a motion and a second to approve 41409-2324 public health. If you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium now. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Commissioners, the roll call vote to approve 41409 Public Health. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have approved 41409-2324 Public Health. The next pulled contract is also Public Health 48385-2324. Commissioner Crawley.
Okay, is anybody there from public health? I'm sorry. Hi, Commissioner. This is Rihanna Albert, the PSC coordinator for DPH. Hi, thank you for being here. My question is, uh, this is a reduction staff from sheriff to uh, a security systems uh, put out. And I know you're done at uh, Zuckerberg and, and reallocating folks with the sheriff's department. My question is, is this working? Um, so we also have Basil Price, our director of security for DPH. Um, Basil, are you there? And would you be able to answer that question? Yes, thank you. The plan at uh, General Hospital is working. It has proven successful with both the uh, sheriff's office providing the uh, law enforcement services, as well as that being supplemented by the contract security who was assigned to the entry points to provide greeting and navigation services. And they're both working collaboratively within their uh, areas of responsibility at the hospital. So, in essence, it is functioning as you sought it to function. Yes, it is. Okay. No further questions, Madam Chair. All right. Thank I'm you. The item. Thank you, Commissioner Crawley. Uh, we have a motion and a second to approve for a three eight five twenty three twenty four. If you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Thank you. The roll call vote to approve for a. I'm sorry. Do you have public comment? All right. Phil Agent Daniel, please. Thank you. Good Sorry, afternoon. I missed you. No worries. I was kind of slow getting out of my seat. <laughs> Good afternoon. Um, in regards to this personal service contract, we've had several meetings with both DPH and the sheriff's office, and I have been trying to find out this information. This is the first time that I am finding out that the sheriff's office and DPH may be um, making some type of agreement on the FTEs. Um, of course, the union is always apprehensive of contracting out the work that we do. This work is done by 8,300 cadets, and I have been here at several previous meetings explaining that the cadets were impacted. This was brought to the union from DPH and the sheriff's office as something that could be fixed with staffing. Hence the reason why previously um, in the de-identification report, they were able to say that the 8,300 class has rule of the list. We gave rule of the list in order to make sure that staffing would get back to where it was supposed to be so that these contracted out positions would come back to the cadets, not for it to be permanently taken away or to be continuously revised so that there's community officers who are actually black bear security that is doing this work. So that's what I have to state about it. I wish that DPH would allow SEIU to be a part of these conversations that they're having with the sheriff's office when they're discussing the work of the classification that we represent. Thank you. Hmm. Commissioner Crawley. Madam Chair, I'll withdraw my motion. I, I, I just actually. Um, Vice President Favetti. I also wanted to make a note that there was one class that was left off uh, in representing that uh, does perform this type of work, and that's the 8204 institutional police officer. So um, you're withdrawing your motion, and, and would you? And I'll restate. And I'll restate another motion. Before we vote on this matter, from my perspective, I would like to see a wholesale discussion happen with the folks that are affiliated. 
uh, SEIU and sheriffs and a full scale discussion be had before any of this goes forward, Madam Chair. Okay. So we've got a representative from um, Department of Public Works with us, Manager Price. Uh, do you have any comments on the comments made by SEIU? Yes, the the positions in question involves four uh, community clinics uh, where there at no time have been cadets assigned there. There were sheriff's deputies that were working there. Currently, there are no uh, sheriff's deputies assigned to those four locations full time, but they're providing uh, support to those clinics through vehicle patrols and emergency responses. So there wasn't a discussion with SEIU how, because these particular positions have uh, are not cadet positions, but they were sheriff's deputies positions. Um, Phil, Agent Daniel, please. We have additional comments from SEIU. I would like to offer to the conversation that for this situation, it may be that very thing, but there's movement. The way that this was presented originally, let's go back to the George Floyd incident. DPH wanted to withdraw the entire sheriff's office, have a softer look. This was all a, a turn up or a spinoff of those conversations. So when they move the deputies, that impacts the cadets. So they move as well. So maybe because the cadets are not named specifically in here, this is going to impact their positions. The cadets support the sheriff deputies. They're, they may not be in every single location because the deputies do a different type of higher level law enforcement and they also have vehicles and they do patrolling and roving, but they are definitely impacted when these moves happen, especially as if they happen at Laguna Honda. This is not just something I think, this, is, this has happened before. At Laguna Honda, we still don't have those cadet positions, not sheriff deputies, back because there's contracted security there. And I'm told at Laguna Honda, this is because we need to help the certification process and it's gonna be closed down and we need you to be a team player. Well, when are we gonna get our work back? Uh, I, could I just make one comment? And my, the reason for my comment with regard to the institutional police officer, historically speaking, this work was originally done by the 8204s, transferred to the sheriff's department. So it is SEIU's work, whether, you know, in, in the sense that there needs to be notification and some kind of discussion with SEIU. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, what should be, I, my, my thought is, and depending on what kind of delay there is, we, that we conditionally approve it with pending discussions, or do we possibly say, let's give it at least a, uh, I don't know when you have, when, when the contract is okay. up and due, Okay. Would manager or price or director of security price know? Uh, would it be reasonable for us to at least have a meeting with SEIU that the department have meet with SEIU and mm -hmm. report back either back. next meeting or the following meeting? Okay. Before we turn to manager price again, uh, Commissioner Carley has a question and he can address both questions at the same time. Exactly. And I'm going to stand by my. Uh... Uh, my motion in in a second, but with the, the caveat that uh, Vice President Pavetti and the union understand there's a time frame here, and it's a substantial contract to be let until 2027. And I suspect that this should be brought to us uh, within the next month or two, uh, based on when the uh, um, this contract is is go out to uh, offer. 
It also has to be amended to add the 8204 class. Correct. Okay. Um, Manager Price, are you hearing the conversation that's happening between the commissioners? Yes, I am. Okay. Do you have any additional uh, comments or questions? Uh, specifically, uh, we we are looking at a motion that would delay action on this today to give you an opportunity to meet with SCIU, but also to amend the backup document, the the report that's completed to add the institutional police. Yes, I'm going to also reiterate uh, that based on the agenda, we're speaking here concerning uh, PSC 48385, which are the community clinics and the information that has been presented to you by SEIU has to do with the hospitals. At no time again, have the cadets worked at any of the community clinics. Uh, Commissioner Crawley. Madam Chair, that's precisely why discussion should take place before it goes forward. All right. Um, okay, commissioners, we have on the floor a motion and a second to, um, is there a specific time frame, Commissioner Crawley, that you'd like to see this back? Uh, Representative Daniels, are you in the house? We know that you have a lot on your plate, but is uh, this is being put forward and they're waiting on this process. Uh, could we put this off to another month and you'd be comfortable with having discussions? Yes. All right. Um, one month. Okay, so uh, there's only the special meeting in January. Okay. Correct. Maybe 60, maybe 60 days. So when is when is our? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not looking at my calendar. Yeah. When is our next meeting? January 25th. Is that right? The 23rd? No, 29th. 23rd. Is it that been moved to the 30th? No, that's that's January. January 30th. That's a Tuesday. Okay. And that's a special meeting. That's a special meeting beginning at one o'clock, I believe. 30th. That's a Monday. Correct. No. No, it's not Monday. Uh, it's a Tuesday at uh, oh, 1 o'clock, excuse me. I'm sorry. Okay. Could this item be heard on that day, madam? The executive director. So we can schedule the item uh, just to keep in mind that we will have to give out the notice 11 days before. So uh, DPH just needs to submit whatever material they need to submit to us 11 days before. Well, we are asking that there uh, be a meeting and discussion. So the question is whether between now and January 15th, 16th or so, that's sufficient time to meet given the two holidays that are doing that period. I'm actually open to meet with the uh, wholesale uh, stakeholders as early as next week. Okay. Uh, Manager Price, did you hear that? Is that sufficient time for you to meet with SEIU? 
between now and around January uh, 12th, 15th? Yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Do you have additional comments? Uh, no further public? comments, I'll remove my. Okay. Okay, thank so you, we, we have a motion and a second to um, continue this matter to a meeting of January 30th at 1 p.m. Um, I don't know that we necessarily need a vote, do we? Easy enough to do. <laughs> I'm advised by um, our executive director that it has not been consistent. I think best to have a vote okay. to continue. All right. If you have public comment on the motion to continue to January 30th, if you're in the room, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, the roll call vote on the motion to continue. Uh, Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We've continued um, 48385-2324 uh, uh, to our meeting of January 30th, 2024. The next pulled contract is the PUC. Four eight eight seven eight twenty three twenty four. Commissioner uh, Vice President Favetti. Okay, is there the representative from PUC here? It's a simple, simple question. Our, our simple request, actually, the contract duration for this very important work um, is uh, twenty thirty two, and I was uh, just going to recommend a four year report back. Sure, um, we can do that. Okay, not so a problem. With that, unless there's other questions by a commissioner, okay. um, then I would move to uh, approve the contract with a four-year uh, report back. Uh, and I'll second that motion. We have a motion and a second to approve 488-78-2324 PUC with the caveat of a four-year report back to the commission. If you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay. Commissioner Roll call vote to approve 488-78-2324 with a four-year report back, which the department has agreed to. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley? Aye. Commissioner Salveson? Aye. And I vote aye. We've approved 488-78-2324 PUC. Excuse me, Commissioner Minor. If we could have the PUC employee please identify themselves for the record. Okay. Yes. Carla Schulteis. I'm the Watershed and Environmental Improvement Program Manager at the PUC. Thank you. And the last pulled contract is... 200708, a contract that's been around a long time. Public health. And who's with us from public health? Hello, commissioners. This is Rihanna Albert, the PSC coordinator with DPH. Okay, and uh, Vice President Favetti. Welcome. Uh, this question has to do exactly, uh, I was noted in the, the length, it's been around for 15 years. 
And I was noticing how, you know, the amount keeps, you know, it, it increases. And one of the questions that I was uh, considering is the fact that has this scope of work been reviewed and that was underscored when I was checking the classifications of uh, that, this is in 3B, which normally perform the work and discovered that 2915 appears to not exist anymore. So um, I was wondering, you know, has there been a review um, for this scope of work? Is there been a review of what classes actually perform these duties and if the current classes that are listed are still appropriate? Um, so I, I don't know if there has been a review for these specific classifications. Um, I, you know, I also have Daisy Aguayo here, our Deputy Director of Operations, People and Infrastructure. I don't know if she might know the answer to that question. Um, yeah, thank you, Rihanna. Um, good afternoon, Commissioners. This is Daisy Aguayo. I am um, with the Department of Public Health, the Deputy Director of Operations for the Population Health Division. I am um, currently in the process of reviewing the scope of work for this contract, specifically because the services that um, we currently provide today or look to support through our grant funding is different than it was when we first started this work. Um, so that's the first part. And the second part is, is that um, the classifications have also changed uh, throughout the years, depending on what the work is that we're doing in the communities. Uh, so there is a current, uh, um, audit that I'm doing, but it really just started unrelated to this, uh, this meeting here today. Um, and I can report back once that work is completed. It's uh, too early to, to say right now to even report back at this time, but I can say that it is being reviewed. Uh, we're ensuring that all of the positions that are currently used under this contract are truly under grant funded positions for the Center of Disease Control or the California State Grants. Um, these are the two primary um, if, uh, ways that we get our grant funds for specific projects for our communities, uh, which come, as you know, with very, very short term, it, sometimes as short as 12 months, sometimes 24, 36 months. And uh, there's three reasons why this contract works for us, and that's because of the short duration of the grant funds, um, because of the lengthy accept and expend process that has to go through the Board of Supervisors, and then finally, just the complexity of uh, hiring through the city hiring process um, cat category 18s, which are the TEX positions. Okay, so this is funding sources, grant recorders, and general fund. So um, it seems to me then, if you're doing an audit, what do you, you said you don't know when the audit's going to be completed? We, we're, just, we're working on that now. Uh, so I, I, I could give myself a timeline um, and, and hi, put together something in the next couple of months. Uh, right now, what I'm doing is trying to identify uh, what grant is under each employee, just to ensure that the, it is predominantly grant funded. If you see any that say grant funds, uh, typically it's grant funds that are being supplemented because the, excuse me, if you see general funds, it's typically supplemented with a grant. We don't have enough general fund to, to yeah. Right. So, <clears throat> so it's presented as grant work order and general fund. So it seems to me that perhaps with the new fiscal year, a six month report back 
Number one in the report back in six months would be what are the results or the progress of the audit with regard to the scope of services, the scope of, of the scope of work, and number two, whether the classifications that are listed are continue to be appropriate. So um, I would I would want to have a six month report back and um, perhaps. Um, with the new fiscal year, so that would be July in the first or second meeting in July, and then um, I'm not certain about and long term continuous whether or not we should have uh, or whether or not at this six month review that the commission then determine uh, when the next report pack would be due. Because I, at a minimum, six months and four years, but uh, possibly that after the six month pro report, I would want to give the commission that option to be able to say, well, wait a minute, we want another report in another six months to make sure that we're on progress and on 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 track. So, is that? I see a confused Facebook. <laughs> I just because this is a continuous contract, I'm not sure. Um... I thought the continuous contracts sort of report back every year. Am I wrong about that? Uh, that right, but still, this is the, the scope of work is being reviewed and audited. Oh, I agree with the six yeah. months. It was just the four okay. years after that that threw me oh. for a loop. Oh, okay. So that we do have another year. Okay. And the, and okay. then also related to that, the increased amount on this modification. Uh, I'm just wondering in the context of this continuous con uh, PSC, what period of time is covered by the 54 million dollars? I I don't have that in front of me. Rihanna, do you have that? You know, I'm sorry, I don't have that information in front of me. We can certainly get that to you at a later time. And maybe that could be included in the six month report. Okay, so that should also be included in the six month report. So it's um, a review the the the, the progress and uh, with regard to the uh, review of the scope of work, to the progress with uh, regard to the analysis analysis of which classifications actually perform the work, and three um, the um period of time for the funding uh, funding that is now being submitted to the commission the 54 million dollars 54.5 million dollars so that would be the six month report in july okay yeah okay, okay. all right so, so, that, so public health you you got those three additional the three items, up items. okay yeah, um yes. vice, thank you vice president favetti we're ready for a motion Oh, that was, was that your motion? motion? That was your motion. Okay, I'll so motion. <laughs> okay, we have a motion and a second to uh, approve two thousand dash zero seven zero eight public health, subject to a report back to the commission in six months um, on the results of the audit of the scope of work, which classifications. Um, 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 are covered by the scope and then um, clarification on the time period requested for the additional $55 million that's included 
uh, in the uh, modification before the commission today. So if you're in the room and you have a public comment on this motion, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Thank you. Commissioner Savrokov, vote to approve uh, the motion um, authorizing 200708 public health uh, subject to the report back as previously identified. Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have approved 2000 0708 public health subject to the six month report back specified. Thank you, commissioners. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for being here, and we'll see you in six months. Thank you. Executive officer, we're ready for the next agenda item. We are now on the regular agenda. Item 8, review of request for approval of proposed personal services contract number 42533-2223 from the Human Rights Commission. Recommendation of the Human Resources Director, adopt the report, approve the request for proposed personal services contract number 42533-2324, notify the Office of the Controller and the Office of Contract Administration. Thank you. Um, Human Rights Commission, we're ready for your presentation. Hello, Commission. Uh, my name is Terry. I work with the San Francisco Human Rights Commission as the Grandstand Contract Administrator. Um, I know that we, uh, one of my colleagues presented last week at the Commission, and I think there were, we had, there was a, um, a follow up ask from Commissioner Leong um, just regarding. Um, a classification, I think the 1300 series in, in regards to the contract. Um, and I could bring my colleague up here um, who can speak a little bit more about that. Okay, thank you. Hi, Commissioners. My name is Amelia Martinez Bankhead, Director of Operations for the HRC. Uh, and it is my understanding there were specific questions in regards to some of the classifications we may have at the department. So um, please let me know what specifically um, you're looking for. Um, the commissioner uh, who re who requested the information is on jury duty. Um, commissioner Crawley, if you um, want to fill in, or I think I can too. Okay, uh, it's, it's just absolutely the positions, uh, public information officers that currently exist in your department, and asking the question as to why this isn't part of that process. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and just for awareness, uh, the HRC is one of the smaller departments. We have uh, one person that handles all of our media printed, uh, that's, you know, printed, electronic, you name it, all of that information having to do with press releases, et cetera. That's our PIO. We have a 1312. They handle all of that scope of work only, but this particular Pardon. But this uh, particular um, 
request is being made for work that's going beyond that work that specifically falls under a 1300. It's very specific to doing work within community, not only locally. And this uh, reason being that it's going outside local too, it's due to some of the nature of the work, the scope of the work that we do at the HRC um, with our Dreamkeeper Initiative, our reparations work among others that we do. So there's also a national scope. Um, at the same time, um, we are trying to make sure that we have and this is why we're looking to contract out people that have very specific skill set within certain communities. Um, again, very specific communities and also have already partnerships um, that are uh, within certain networks that we don't have um, the expertise in, et cetera. Also, because the work is um, intermittent, it is not something that would provide work for a, you know, one FTE or somebody that we currently have on staff. So that's why it doesn't fall under our 1312 at this point in time. I hope that helps answer the question. Commissioner Crawley, any follow-up? Uh, no, Madam Chair, I do not. Okay, thank you. Uh, commissioners, any additional questions or comments? If not, we'll take a motion in second, please. Move to approve. Second. We have a motion and a second to approve 42533-2223, the Human Rights Commission. If you're in the, in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, press star three now, please. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Uh, commissioners, the roll call vote to approve 42533-2223, Human Rights Commission. Vice President Favetti? Aye. Commissioner Crawley? No. Com Commissioner Salveson? Aye. And I vote aye. Uh, we have approved by a vote of three to one, 42533-2223, Human Rights Commission. Uh, Human Rights Commission, thank you for being here. Executive officer, we're ready for the next agenda item. Item nine, proposed revised policy of the Civil Service Commission on personal service contracts. Recommendation, accept the executive officer's staff report and adopt the proposed amendments to the policy of the Civil Service Commission on personal service contracts. Commissioners, um, at the meeting, at the last meeting of November 6, 2023, uh, the Civil Service Commission approved the posting with amendments made by the city attorney and the commissioners that was posted for the public viewing. Um, our employee relations division at DHR uh, scheduled the, um, the meeting for informational purposes. We just want to note that the notice of uh, action and the official approved proposed PSC policies with the amendments was sent to all unions, all departments, and it was also uh, posted. Um, at the same time, um, the employee relations division immediately sent uh, notice out to the, uh, the unions for a meeting the following week. And I understand from the employee relations division, there was 
uh, no response uh, at that time. We still met and in this meeting, I just want to make sure the public is aware, not only was uh, the labor team there from the Department of Human Resources, Civil Service Commission, the executive officer was also present. We also had um, our Office of Contract Administration uh, present and we also had our city attorney, Kate Kimberlin. So basically you had all the experts there ready uh, to answer any questions and uh, there was no union uh, present at that meeting. Um, so and this is the meeting on November 16th, yes. is that correct? Yes. Okay. So um, we did, uh, well, in our office in the Civil Service Commission, because unions do regularly contact us for various reasons, uh, the question has come up regarding not only the rule, uh, proposed rules, but the PSC policy. I made it very clear to the unions that this is a collaborative effort, that although they would like to meet with me for transparency, I do want our subject matter experts to also be present in the room. So I did state to them that if they would uh, like to schedule a meeting, it is possible, but I would automatically include our, uh, the labor team, again, Office of Contract Administration, the city administrator's office, and also uh, the city attorney's office. So um, we did hear it late, late from uh, one union who wished to meet. I did inform the union that we could not postpone because this matter has already been sent notification to basically all stakeholders that uh, this item uh, will be before the commission to consider adopting the new PSC policy. But um, I believe that we still may be meeting with another union tomorrow, but they were made aware that this is the opportunity and we encourage them whether to uh, attend in person and they may be attending virtually today but this is my report and please let me know if you have additional questions. Okay. Um, any questions or comments, uh, commissioners? Uh, Commissioner Salison. So my understanding is that the um, policy that was posted was the one that we approved for posting and the one before us today is unchanged from what we approved for posting. Is that correct? That is correct. And um, our city attorney politely reminded me that we did after the scheduled ERD meeting that we did make a, a time to meet with SEIU 1021 and we did have a meeting then. And when did that meeting occur? It was after the scheduled ERD meeting and uh, checking with ERD, they were fine that I hosted and had this meeting scheduled. But again, uh, all our subject matter experts were present, meaning the Office of Contract Administration, City Attorney's Office, our Employee Relations Division, and also our City Administrator's Office. It was on the 30th. Thank you. Vice President Favetti. I had a very small thought as I was going here on the Muni. 
And I'm just wondering, no, if the small itsy bitsy things. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's on 4B. And it's the very last sentence where it says a department should report back no less than every 4 years and shall be so stated on the notice and civil service agenda. So that if we have it on the agenda, then we don't have to pull it off and say, we need to have this back 4 years. So it's just that small little, it's that this small little thing right here. So we would add that and shall be so noted. Would that be of it's so small, but it makes it easier for everybody. It makes it easier for the commission, DHR, the public, everybody. I would say that was the intent of what we um, added at our last meeting for posting, and that just is um, ministerial of yeah. what what was. Sorry. Um. Okay, um, so uh, city attorney is going to comment on whether we can make that addition without reposting. Uh, I'm in agreement with Commissioner Salveson that it does not substantially change the content of the policy and it's a, yeah, it's a non substantive um, clarification. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Salveson. And did our staff get that addition? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, any additional uh, comments? Okay, we, it looks like we're ready for a motion. Yes, I am a move. We accept the executive officer's staff report and adopt the proposed amendments to the policy of the civil service commission on personal service contracts. With the additional ministerial addition that has been made today. I would second that. Thank you. Thank you, Vice President Favetti, for that addition. We have a motion and a second to. Um... Minor. We do have a hand raise by a local 21. Um, okay, we're going to make this motion first and then I'll open it up for public comment. Okay. Okay. So we have a motion and a second on the floor to uh, adopt the report uh, subject to a small addendum in uh, 4B. Um, And now we're ready for uh, public comment. We have a motion and a second. We're ready for public comment. If you have public comment in the room, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three. Okay, Elizabeth, we are ready for public comment on the telephone. Okay, Local 21, um, you can turn your microphone on. Great, thank you, Elizabeth, and good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, my name is Emily Wallace. I am a staff representative for IFPTE Local 21. Our members have raised a handful of questions about the proposed changes to the PSC policy. Unfortunately, they could not be here in front of you today. Uh, so instead, we've mutually agreed to meet with labor relations uh, tomorrow afternoon so that we can have a meeting to discuss and better understand the new PSC policy. Um, so our members quite have questions about the city's justification behind the increase in dollar amount from 100,000 to 200,000 for those contracts that get automatically approved by DHR. 
Our members also wanted to ensure that requests to contract out any technology services, right? Professional services that could be performed by our city's IT staff. Uh, we wanted to make sure that that would still be subject to the commission's review. In particular, the proposal mentions that certain software as a service contracts and commodities contracts would become exempt from the commission's review under the new policy. And our members were concerned that this exemption could potentially include requests to contract out technology work uh, that our city's IT staff would normally perform. Uh, so Local 21 had hoped to meet with labor relations prior to today's meeting to clarify some of these questions and concerns. Unfortunately, the earliest available date that we could meet was tomorrow, December 5th. So we realize that this proposal is calendared for adoption this afternoon. Uh, we would hope that at the very least, given the importance of the commission's role in the PSC process, um, that we would still be able to bring forward any additional questions or concerns to the Civil Service Commission during a future meeting about the policy changes if needed. Um, so we appreciate the commission's due diligence on our questions. Uh, we look forward to our meeting with labor relations tomorrow to discuss the PSC policy changes in more detail. Thanks so much. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, Elizabeth, any additional public comment? President Minor, no further public comment at this time. Okay. Um, Is the request to uh, asking the commission to postpone what what is the specific request that's being made? Thank you. Well, so ideally, we'd love the opportunity to meet with uh, labor relations prior to adopting the new policy. If the commission decides that um, they want to move forward with adopting the PSC changes today, then at the very least, our ask would be that we have the right to come forward with any additional questions or concerns about the policy changes at a future meeting for discussion. Okay. Um, from from my perspective, I one of the things that I'm interested in seeing the city do uh, in in all areas, including this, is to move forward expeditiously. And um, I fully support the role of the unions, the importance of us discussing all issues related that impact employees or potentially impact employees with the union. However, there is a sense of timeliness um, and willingness to move calendars around to help these meetings occur. Um, I haven't heard any specific reason why the meeting was not possible. And speaking as an individual commissioner, not on behalf of the commission, um, I would like to see this go forward today. Obviously, with the understanding that when you meet with labor relations, if there are issues that need to come back to the commission, they will come back to the commission. And going forward, I'd just like to see these meetings occur really expeditiously when the commission is taking action that we believe is critical to speed up the work of the city. I think we all agree that the city and county of San Francisco needs to act with more um, uh, diligence in not only hiring, but our contracting process as well. So um, I don't know if any other commissioner has comments. 
Commissioner Salveson. I just uh, want to uh, agree with uh, President Minor that we should move forward today um, on the motion. And I think there has been adequate notice given and there's a meeting that's gonna occur and hopefully all the questions will be answered. Um, so I think, you know, for all the reasons stated by President Minor, we should go forward with the motion. Okay, great. All right, um, Elizabeth, no additional public comment. President Minor, no public comment. Okay, we will now take the roll call vote on the pending motion, which is to um, adopt the report and post the changes in the PSC policy. Um, subject to the uh, change, the one clarification in paragraph 4B proposed by Vice President Favetti. Uh, Vice President Favetti? Aye. Commissioner Crawley? Aye. Commissioner Salveson? Aye. And I vote aye. We have uh, adopted the report, which means that the proposed changes to um, the changes to our PSC policies will be posted. Okay, we are ready for the next agenda item. Item 10, appeal by Eduardo Guerrero Ortiz of the Human Resources Director's determination that investigative findings did not establish appellant's complaint of harassment and discrimination. Recommendation of the Human Resources Director, adopt the report, uphold the decision of the Human Resources Director, and deny the appeal by Eduardo Guerrero Ortiz. Okay, uh, thank you. Is the, is appellant Ortiz with us? I don't think I've seen him on the screen. Has he reached out either to our office or EEO? He has, um, the appellant has reached out specifically to me. Um, um, for the Department of Human Resources EEO, they have made several attempts in communicating uh, by email. Uh, this is the appellant where they would have opportunity to see their full, the full staff report, investigating findings in person. Uh, the appellant never responded. Uh, we have also made attempts to call. The phone number no longer works. However, the appellant did email that uh, they were uh, living in Mexico in another country, but they were planning to come in. So they, they did come in one day to meet in person. I explained the full process and the opportunity to review the meeting material. And they understood they had to follow up uh, with the Department of Human Resources EEO. But to this day, after several attempts, the appellant still has not responded. And we're finding that the appellant did come into the office a second time, but I was not uh, present on that day. And the appellant did state. He stopped by the office when he was the previous commission. Oh, identify yourself. Yeah, I'm sorry, this is Lisette Enriquez. Yeah, he stopped by the office on November 20th. Okay. 
So, um, the appellant was informed to return uh, in person and I did continue to communicate by email, but the appellant never returned back to the office. Okay. Um, any additional comments from EEO? Um, the only thing I would add was uh, that the appellant, of course, was consulted on the rescheduling of the date uh, and the fourth date was picked by the appellant, which DHR EEO agreed to. Uh, oh, uh, and this is a step on Villarreal uh, with Department of Human Resources. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, how would you like to proceed? Commissioner Salveson. Uh, I believe we should move forward. Um, this is, there's a very extensive um, report and materials for this appeal. And um, there's clearly been adequate notice to the appellant. Um, so, and I, and, and I would say based on all the materials, which uh, I looked through quite thorough, um, that I would adopt the report. I move that we adopt the report, uphold the decision of the human resources director and deny the appeal by Eduardo Guerrero Ortiz. Okay. I would second that. Uh, commissioners, we have a motion and a second to adopt the report, thereby denying the appeal. Uh, if you're in the room and you have public comment, you may come to the podium now. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three now. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, commissioners, the roll call vote on the pending motion, which is to adopt the report, thereby denying the appeal of Appellant Ortiz. Uh, Vice President Favetti. Aye. Commissioner Crawley. Aye. Commissioner Salveson. Aye. And I vote aye. We have adopted the report, thereby denying the appeal. Uh, EEO, thank you for your work. This was a very extensive uh, record, um, and we appreciate your being here today. Okay, Executive Officer, we're ready for the next agenda item. We are now on the separations agenda, item 11. Request for hearing by Danny Huey, former Transit Supervisor 9139 Municipal Transportation Agency on their future employment restriction with the City and County of San Francisco. Recommendation of the Human Resources Director, or rather it should be a recommendation of the Director of Transportation, adopt the findings, deny the appeal, and approve the future employability restrictions. Okay. Um, I believe I've seen Appellant Huey with us. Okay, thank you. And uh, Manager Garcia. Okay, thank you. Um, Appellant Huey, our practice is to start first with the department. And so we will first hear from MTA and then we will hear from you, okay? Um, Manager Garcia, we're ready. Good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, my name is David Garcia. I'm the labor relations manager for the SFMTA. We're here today to talk about two employment restrictions. Number one, the agency has recommended to cancel Danny Wee, the appellant's uh, current exams and eligibility as restriction one, 
and has recommended no future employment for him with the city and county of San Francisco. These uh, recommendations are based upon disciplinary actions taken on January 11, 2023. Agency issued a notice of intent to the appellant proposing to terminate his employment for misuse of his authority, violating agency rules, and comprising the safety of the public and last dishonesty. The appellant received an ordinary course of due process before the agency issued a final notice of termination on June 18, 2023. The disciplinary, excuse me, 2021. The disciplinary action arises from a coworker complaint that was originally submitted in December of 2018. After receiving the complaint, the SFMTA received an investigatory support from the city attorney's office and the city attorney's office submitted their summary on September 24, 2020. Based on that report, the agency delivered a Skelly notice to the appellant on January 11, 2021, and the appellant had an opportunity to respond to charges in a Skelly meeting on January 27, 2021. The appellant thereafter, through his union representation, exercised his rights in the grievance procedures, and he received a grievance response at step one on March 31, and a grievance response at step two on June 7, 2021. Then on June 9, 2021, the appellant, through his union, requested to arbitrate the matter, and consistent with the agency and the union's MOU contract terms, um, an arbitration was held. The SFMTA terminated the, the appellant on June 28, 2021. And then finally, on September 11th, the arbitrator issued a binding decision upholding the, upholding the termination based on findings referenced in our staff report on page 7 of the published CNC CSC packet for item 11. And on that basis, the agency recommends that the commission adopt the report. Excuse me, adopt the report, deny the appeal, and approve the future employment restrictions. Thank you for your time today. Hey, uh, thank you. Uh, commissioners, any questions for manager Garcia before we turn to the top? Okay, appellate Huey. Yes. We are now ready to uh, hear your appeal. Uh, specifically, if you could uh, tell us why you believe that the employment restriction uh, should not apply. Well, first of all, um, I've been with uh, SFMTA for 18 years. I have followed my guidelines and how I was trained to do my job. And I have uh, submitted, I have submitted um, additional documentation. Um, it's, there are a couple emails um, that I've attached and it's from my um, direct manager of how things were handled um, for the training department. And as my role uh, as a lady instructor, um, I was given the um, 
authority to make uh, managerial decisions. And so I follow the common practice from my uh, managers and uh, previous uh, examples. And in turn that um, my coworker sees it in a different way, he neglected that um, it was our common practice and accused me of favoring certain employers, uh, employees. So the email that I submitted along, uh, um, there are a couple of them that show how it was um, similar or ex not, not, excuse me, my, uh, my English is not that good. Um, it's not exact, but it's very similar to the situation that I make the decision with. And also, um, I was being accused of uh, destroying failing tests, but the whole investigation was completely um, ignoring the email that I did not make the decision to destroy the test results because there was a particular incident that I was on vacation and the backup lead instructor had a situation where one of the instructor was teaching a five days topic in one and a half hour. So as a goal of training department, we always want to be fair to operators or drivers that learning the material. And to me, being a lead instructor, even though I was on vacation, they asked me for my uh, comment. So I have suggested to my direct manager that this is not a fair for all the students, regardless of you know how many students pass or fail because they are not fully understanding the material. So one of the email was completely ignored by the city attorney's investigation was that the actual decision that was made was my manager, my direct manager agreed my suggestion. So they just put everything on me because I was the one that actually executed the decision. And also um, there's the first two emails that I attach um, on my attachment from page one to page four is an example that uh, they were accusing me of jeopardizing the safety of public and employees. And our training goal is to provide drivers with opportunity to learn. And we are all humans. That's why they, they need to practice. And we give them chances to, you know, there are room for making mistakes. One mistake is not a strike. There are different kinds of mistakes. People forgetting stuff once one time. You know, it's we are human. So what I'm saying is some of the mistakes that students make is correctable item. And we are allowed to give chances for, for these people to you know to correct. And my with my um, years of experience as a trainer, 
students tends to be more very nervous with an uh, instructor next to them. And they feel more comfortable if they are being with a regular driver when they go through line training. And that proves the fact that the person did very well. So one of the example, the first four page of the email is a past experience that my manager, how he handled it, that one operator was actually went through the whole process of training, but this particular operator was actually completely out of what she is doing. So at that time, it was actually me, the person that was testing her for the final, um, um, we call that final certification, which is like the very, very last day. It's like a DMV test. When you learn, after you learn how to drive and then you go DMV testing. And so I was the examiner at that particular time. And this person was completely out of control. So I refused to certify her. However, training department, because we, you know, we value our resources and we value the drivers. So my manager's decision was to give her extended training. Now, knowing that she already failed the test, this is not a ban for her, her, her learning or, or, you know, being disqualified from the, the from the certificate, um, from being a, a rail operator. So we, you know, my manager's past um, decision was how he handled it was he offered this particular operator extended training after being failed of a final certification and see how the line trainer evaluate her after you know all these training and being not able to certify so we as the trainers give every opportunity that a student can get and I, to me i don't consider this is jeopardizing the safety of the public because they are next to a professional trainer and the trainer is there to assist them and stop them from doing what they're not supposed to do or like if they have a, a dangerous maneuver, the trainer or the line trainer will stop them before it happens. So as a matter of fact, this is the norm of how SFMTA operates because one of my uh, email that um, I got from my previous manager and actually from, I don't know exactly her title, uh, but she is one of the top management is that she in an email, I think that's on page, uh, uh, from page seven, all the way to page, nine of my attachment it's um at one time we were or mta was trying to phrase out the new lrv 
and they just want to impress the public. And this management, uh, this manager was forced, kind of like forcing the trainers to go learn the LRV4 equipment when the LRV4 equipment is not even fully tested and is not certified to operate on the road. So do we consider that as a jeopardizing of safety of the employees? Also, I was being accused of giving out test keys. However, there are so many emails that I've submitted to city attorney's office doing the investigation, how many times our test has been leaked out. One of the example I attached in my attachment, page 11, was one of the example how one time our final exam and our test has been leaked out laying in the ghillie room in the building. And a lot of people out there, I mean, students out there have seen those test questions because of the, of the test being leaked out. So I'm being accused of because students, people that I, you know, knows me, knows uh, um, like, uh, oh, how many questions is there? What is on the test? So they all accuse me giving the student the answers. Also on uh, page 13 and 14 of my attachment, and this is only one example of uh, how it would say jeopardizing the safety of the public is we are trained to, we are trained professional trainers maintenance group is not it's a norm that mta wanted to achieve their goal and shift or try to shift at one time in 2012 or 2000 13, they shift because we are short of trainers. They shift our training to maintenance. So they are asking maintenance people that is not even certified to be a trainer to train drivers to help, you know, to serve the public. Do we also consider as jeopardizing safety of the public? I did. And that's the norm that management has been, how MTA was going. And I did my job based on my experience, the normal practice of MTA, but because at the time I was accused, I was being slandered on the news. So everybody that hears my story, it's already has a, has biased. Looking at my performance report for MTA, uh, from MTA, from page 15 all the way to the end, 
all my performance review throughout my years has been at least meet expectation or exceed expectation with comments that I've been being lead instructor, I'm being paid at a regular instructor's rate, but doing more jobs, making managerial decisions. I was given the authority or the permission from management to make managerial decisions. So now the management or now that I have executed the decision from management, but I'm being accused of jeopardizing the safety of the public. I don't think that's fair to me. I mean, I already was terminated because of being slandered and everyone is looking at me biased, but banding me for life of future employment, that's like a death penalty. Already terminated. That's all I have to say. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your comments, appellant. You. We will now turn to commissioners for questions, either to you or to uh, MTA, who's represented by Manager Garcia. Commissioners, any questions or comments? Vice President Favetti. I wanted to clarify uh, as the, uh, for the appellant that um, in, in reviewing all the materials and specifically the arbitrator's decision, which I felt was very thorough, the arbitrator did not uphold allegations pertaining to testing and retesting. The, the arbitrator did not uphold the allegation that you accepted free dinners from your students in exchange for preferential treatment. The arbitrator did uphold the fact that you engaged in inappropriate personal relationships with personal, with, uh, with trainees, and that you should have known the participation in the dinner group gave appearance of favoritism. Further, that you, in this situation, abused your position as transit supervisor phase favoring at least two members of your, your group. And that you provided false and misleading statements during the interview. So, I just wanted to clarify that. Not all the accusations were upheld. There were some those that were upheld are very, very serious. 1st of all. Uh, Wait, no, no, wait, you, they're very serious and and it's something this commission. Is required to take very seriously. Um, it doesn't appear that you have. Addressed. What the arbitrator, the charges that the arbitrator upheld and that you don't under or are not rectifying or willing to rectify behaviors because you don't appear to agree that they what you did was wrong and this is disconcerting so if you have a response to that i would like to know um 
if if you were reemployed, what would you do differently? Okay, uh, first of all, uh, MTA was char uh, charging me with a new bus operator training manual. Now, they don't know there is a difference between training new bus operator than training a LRB operator. I just, I've tried to explain so many times that new operators that we train, if we are training buses, these people do not have a job. They come into the department, uh, to the training, and if yes, if the trainer is having meals with them, there is conflict of interest because they there could be bribery because they want to have lunch with you and in return they wanted the job however hey, in my huey. appellate huey yes as far as the commission is concerned as far as the committee the city and county is concerned there is no distinction because in fact the individuals that are being trained for lrv is like having although not a monetary promotion it is a new assignment it is the same standard it is the same standard as entry-level employees there is no difference there is a difference because when we are training people that we don't know there will be conflict of interest but we are training people that I already know for years. And I did follow the policy of the city or MTA that I reported to my manager. I know this person. I you know in the class, because I've been with uh, MTA for 18 years, I know these operators. And right, but when, if anything, it's a higher standard if they're currently an employee and if you know them. As a supervisor, you must be on reproach. And I, 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 um, it is a, a, a concern. It is a serious concern. Um, I don't have any further questions. Okay. Uh, commissioners, any additional questions for either the appellant or for manager Garcia? Okay. So the um, MTA is proposing um, it's it's uh, it's a lifetime ban. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, Mr. Appellant Huey, are you currently employed? Yes, I am. In the transportation business? Yes, I am. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, commissioners, if you have no additional questions, if you're ready to make a motion. 
Um, I am very concerned that um, Appellant Hui does not appear to understand, even at this point after losing his job, what the issue was in the first place. Um, and unfortunately, we um, uh, we must have employees who can be trusted to carry out this very important policy of um, being fair and to all. Um, and not understanding the basic um, requirements for um, being impartial and to not show favoritism to current employees, um, let alone new employees, um, and continued behavior in that vein, I don't see that he could have qualified to be returning to the city and county at this point. Okay, uh, thank you, Vice President Favetti. Um, commissioners, is there, is there a second to the motion? I second the motion. I think that was well stated by Commissioner Favetti. Okay, great. Um, so we have before us uh, a motion that would um, deny the appeal and accept the report. Um, the denial of the appeal means that the future employability restrictions imposed by MTA would stand. If you have public comment on the motion, if you're in the room, you may come to the podium. If you're on the telephone, you may press star three. President Minor, no public comment at this time. Okay, um, commissioners, the roll call vote on the uh, pending motion to accept the report, thereby denying the appeal. Uh, Vice President Favetti, aye. Commissioner Crawley, aye. Commissioner Salveson, and I vote aye. Appellant Huey, we have just voted to deny your appeal, which means that the employment restrictions imposed by MTA or recommended by MTA will stand. So thank you for coming forward to express your point of view. I do hope that you understood what Vice President Favetti said to you, which is the first step is to understand and accept responsibility for your actions. Um, so good luck in the future. And uh, Manager Garcia, thank you for being here um, on behalf of MTA. We are ready for the next agenda item. Item 12, commissioners announcements and requests. Uh, commissioners, do you have any uh, announcements or requests? If none, we will move to the last agenda item. Item 13, adjournment. It is now 4.53 p.m. Thank you. Thank you, commissioners.